Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to read verse 5. Proverbs 3, verse 5. If y'all would like to, um, why don't y'all stand? Would y'all mind doing that? Does everybody have your Bible? Do y'all have your Bible? You can hold up your Bible if you've got it. And if you're using electronics, it's okay. Let's, let's, let me read this. Proverbs 3, 5. Very familiar verse of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now then, let's try something. Would y'all like to try to read it with me? Would you want to try that? Let's read it together, kind of phase at a time, okay? Trust in the Lord. Okay, you're pretty good. Let's try it a little louder. All right, I'll start you off. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. Okay, keep going. That's fine. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the word of God that is so very, very practical and clear for everyday living. And Lord, we need, we need to hear from you today. We need to hear from your word. We need to hear from your spirit. We need you to touch our hearts. And Father, I pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to convict us of areas where we're holding on little pieces of our heart and we refuse to let go in this area of trusting you with our whole heart. So we trust you to accomplish your will. We look forward to what you're going to and how you're going to encourage us today and what you're going to show us. And we pray for the lost. We pray for people that are on their way to hell. Lord, just one heartbeat, one breath away, and they die without Christ, and they wake up in eternal torment. Father, we pray for Brother Baker there in the hospital. Pray for the wisdom of the doctors. Pray for Aaron. Pray for his mother and his family. Lord, I just pray that it wouldn't be very serious with Dr. Brother Baker. And I just pray, Father, for your will to be done. Help us to trust you more with every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we do talk a lot about self-examination. I refer to that often a lot like Matt, a lot like preaching on murmuring and complaining and preaching on unity. And a lot of those things are very, very um, foremost in my, my thinking. So I look here at this verse and the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on 
under thy own understanding. And I look out here at us today and I see us here kind of gathered together a little bit. And, and I, I had this thought rush through my mind. Well, here we go again. Here we go again. We're in a, the same spot we've been in before. We're going to have to trust God. I mean, it's comfortable, isn't it, when you don't feel like you really have to trust Him. When you kind of have the, you know, everything lined out and you're just going through life and puttering along and you're just, we're just doing great. I mean, we don't, you know, I've heard people, listen, people pray prayers like this. Lord, I know you're always there when I need you. You've never failed me because I know that when I need you, you're going to be there. Oh, folks, this is where God wants us all the time. He wants us to recognize our need for him every moment of every day. And I'm going to tell you from life's experience, God, our sovereign heavenly father, knows exactly how to pull the rug out from under us who are walking rather independently and he knows exactly how to get us to that place of falling on our face before God. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but if you're really in tune with the way God works and the ways of God, have you noticed this is kind of a pattern with God? Things kind of look great for a while and, you know, you have a little breathing room and then all of a sudden, boom, we've got to trust him again. You know, the economy was doing so great, wasn't it? It was great. And now they're talking about all this bad stuff. Oh, I wouldn't even begin to mention all the scary things that are out there being said about the America's future. But probably a lot of you have already clicked on to it. And you've probably listened to some of it. And then I would encourage you, if you have been and you're beginning to work yourself up into a little tizzy over it, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah has some pretty good sermons on this topic. My wife and I listened to one the other day, and I mean, it just... <laughs> Just so encouraging when you just go right to the Word of God. So learning to trust Him is, I believe, the moment we get saved, it will be a lifelong assignment. And every turn, every turn in life, I believe, and I, I like this term, I use it a lot, is a classroom. Every turn in life is a classroom to get us to a place of humility and dependency upon our Heavenly Father. He, he just takes us from one classroom to the next. Life is just full, full of uncertainties, the future. Unexpected turns, financial crisis, health setbacks, job uncertainty, 
And then you get into the aging process. Anybody know anything about that? Brings its own set of challenges. Now, I've heard people approaching their golden years. Are they golden years? You and I were talking about that. It's supposed to be golden years. Um, moving in that direction, okay? I've heard people say this, I don't want to be a burden to my kids. How many of you ever heard that statement? I just, I'm just curious. Have you heard that? Yeah. I don't want to be a burden to my kids. And I've heard this one. I don't want to lose my independence. Young people, y'all are, those of you that are in the younger set, I want to give you some insight that you probably hadn't thought of yet. And it's the thought of the day that you have to go take your parents' keys away from them. Now, all I can say is to my three, you better be careful. Because I'm not giving them up without a fight. We've had to do it with my grandmother. Because my grandmother, she, she could drive great. She just couldn't find her keys. And so they worked up a little thing. They did a string like a necklace around her neck and put her key. Oh, well, they're your keys. Now you can go drive. Your eyesight begins to grow dim. Your reflexes become slower. And you forget why you even got in the car to go where you were going. I have to tell you all this. This is not in my notes, but I'll have to tell you all this. Uh, some of you know, and this is not, I'm, I'm just kind of sharing with you, you know, personal things. I've, I've got books with 7,700 sermon illustrations. I don't ever use them very much because I've got my own. So anyway, y'all know that here about two years ago, year and a half ago, I knew it was coming. I knew the diagnosis was coming, but, uh, but neuropathy. Okay, so we're, I've been going to a neurologist now for a year and a half, and he confirmed what I knew. Both my parents had it, and uh, so there's numbness. I, I leaned over my wife all ago. I, I, I said, you think I could make it up those stairs? She said, no, go to the rail. So, I mean, I, I, I think I could do it, but I don't want to mess y'all up. And if I collapse on the floor and all of you say, oh, bless his heart. And it could be a pride thing, too. I don't know. But uh, so we're at the neurologist and they've done all these tests. And I mean, they were some of them. They were sticking needles in my, you know, in my muscles and had it hooked up to a computer and you know they then they do electric shock you know and I mean I can't even static electricity sends me into orbit and so they did these things where they're sticking needles and stuff anyway so this we're at another visit and he said you know I'm asking questions like well do you think I'm going to end up in a wheelchair and those kind of things and and he said no I don't think you will you may end up having to use a cane or something so we're getting ready to leave, and my wife, this is my little, quiet, little, merciful wife, on her own, just blurts out, I'm gonna, I've got to ask you a question, doctor. 
And he kind of stopped. He's a real nice guy. He looked at her and, and he said, uh, she said, is it safe for him to drive? And I just instantly, I mean instantly, I didn't even hesitate. I said, well, of course it's safe for me to drive. And she said, <laughs> and the doctor said, of course it's safe for him to drive. She, she was apologetic, but it was on her mind, obviously, that if you have numbness up to your knees and above your knees, you might have a hard time determining if you are touching the brake or the accelerator. Now, I don't want any of y'all to, you know, start saying, we're going to let him have his way. When he drives out, he's going to go out by himself. We're all going to wait. Or we're all going to wait and go first and let him go out by himself. Whatever. If I start seeing that, I'm going to be extremely hurt. But anyway, we had a laugh about it, and then uh, it's, it's been funny. I, I've a couple of times hit the accelerator when I meant to hit the gas, but it hadn't been too bad. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... I can't even tell, I can't even tell what I'm putting on my Crocs in the morning. So I don't, so anyway, I don't want y'all to get scared to turn me into the DPS or something. I can just see it all now. They start getting a bunch of reports this, this afternoon. There's going to be a guy in a white tundra headed north on Interstate 45 and y'all need to be on the lookout for him. <laughs> oh, me. So, <clears throat> But we, we need to, this is an opportunity to practice what we have been taught. I was thinking, you know, how many family camps have y'all all been to? 19 family camps. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have an afternoon service sometime where you could just share the life-changing messages, the way that family camp has changed your personal life. How are you different today after 19 family camps than you were back before you started going? And it's, we, folks, we've been to seminars, we've heard sermons, we've heard preaching, we've sat through lesson after lesson after lesson, we've taken notes, and the question is, are we any further along, spiritually speaking, than we were 10 years ago? And I'm hoping and praying the answer should be yes. The answer should be yes. Our demeanor, our behavior, our conversation. Oh, speaking of conversation, I don't know how we're going to do it. We listened to this sermon this week by Keith Daniel. Some of you might have heard it. He's in heaven now. Satan has found a whisperer. Satan has found a whisperer. It's an hour and 22 minutes long, and it'll scare you to death. To think about our conversations and how the devil uses our conversations for destructive purposes. And so that's another one. I'd love to be able to, I mean, it's an hour and 22 minutes. I don't know how you fit it into a 45-minute format, but we, I just think, I think we need to pay attention to some of these. We've been taught, we've been taught, we've been taught. We've listened, we've, been, we've heard, 
great preaching. And now the question is, are we trusting the Lord individually and as a church? Are we trusting the Lord with our whole heart? With our whole heart. Let me just give you another. This is not in my notes, but it was a thought I thought of this morning. My wife and I have been married 52 years. 52 years. Do you think one day she woke up and discovered I was a human being? And do you think I one day woke up and discovered that she's a human being that's going to ask the doctor if it's safe? I dare her to do that. I'm just kidding. Now, the analogy of marriage, just think about it. Do you believe in 52 years there's been some areas that she's discovered about me that she felt like needed to change? And all God's people said, amen. But even with her, Miss Mercy, Miss Sweet, Miss Perfect, nearly, are there some things that I've discovered that I felt like needed to change? Now then, we've got a choice. I believe we've got a choice in these situations. We can either trust God with our whole heart to make these necessary changes, or we can try to do it ourselves. And I get this picture. I get this picture of God. When I'm trying to change my wife, I get this picture of God with his arms folded, and he's saying, have at it. Have at it. See how far you can get with the flesh. See how far you can get with your methods and your ways. But if you will get out of the way, if you'll let me take over and you will trust me, I will make changes in her. And I can promise you, folks, not that I've arrived and that we're still, you know, please be patient with me because God isn't finished with me yet. But she has seen specific areas that she's cried out to God for. She's seen God change some of those, not all of them, not as many as she would like, but she's seen some change. That's what I'm saying. When you start talking about a verse that says, trust the Lord with your whole heart, you need to consider the, our whole heart. We need to consider our, the promises of God that when, when I'm trusting Him with my whole heart, I'm trusting Him that He promises that He's working everything out together for my good. I'm promised that, and I believe that, and I'm trusting Him for that. I'm trusting him. He said he would supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He said he would. Now then, can I trust him 100% with my whole heart? Now, it doesn't mean you go out and, you know, do a bunch of crazy things and put God in a situation where you're trying to get him to, or testing him or proving him that he's going to bail you out of something. But I am saying that we need to be in a place where we can say, God, I'm trusting you. All things are working together. I don't understand it. I don't even like a lot of it. But I'm trusting you. 
I know you're, you're going to supply my need, and you promise in Hebrews 13, 5 that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Now then, turn real quickly. We're not going to go over it a lot, but just uh, Joshua chapter, chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Beginning verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people were uh, clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take ye twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones." Twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you that when your children... Look at this. This is so critical. This is so important. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their, fa ask their fathers in time to come, saying... What mean ye by these stones? What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever." It'll be these stones, these 12 stones will be a memorial for the children of Israel forever. There's something very significant about this account of the crossing over the Jordan, how the Lord worked out the passing and the 12 stones taken out of the Jordan to be placed where they camped would be a pile of stone. And these are not little bitty like baseball side. Apparently they had to put them on their shoulder. These are heavy stones, big stones, made a, made a little mini monument, if you will. And later generations will come along and they will say, what mean ye these stones? What do these stones mean? And it's a memorial of something spectacular that God has done in the life of Israel. We're to remember. We're to remember the miracles that God has done in our lives. We're to look back and, and remember, bring to remembrance in times past memorials that we've experience as a family, as individuals. Just like those 12 stones. 
just like picturing those little kids coming up. What are these stones for? What do they mean? They're a memorial. They're a reminder of God working a miracle in the life of Israel. I just have to ask you folks, we have to ask ourselves, are we recording the miracles that God has done in your life and mine and in the life of our church? Do any of you think about those things of the past that God has done to encourage us? You know, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about those 12 stones. I was thinking, well, I mean, a lot of y'all were not here when we were, this building didn't exist. We were meeting in the chapel. We were saving our money. Does anybody remember how many years it took us from the first gift that came in for the building fund to the day we finished it off? Does anybody remember? Twelve years. Do you know that we had dear and loved, I mean, people that I love and we got along great in meetings and we'd meet and we'd meet and we'd meet. And I never will forget this one gentleman. I'm not going to tell you who he was, but he, but he's such a sweet brother. But he just, I mean, he stood up and said, I'm telling you what, folks, we're going to meet and meet and meet and nothing's getting done. I, this is not moving fast enough for me. We, I'm out of here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to meet anymore took 12 years. Think about it. 12 years to be able to pay cash for this facility. You know the benefit of paying cash? We don't have a mortgage. We don't owe the bank. You see, God knew that. God knew but I think that's a memorial. We're, sit, we're sitting, we're here in this building, a memorial. Y'all have heard me tell the story a couple of times, at least five, about the chairs that you're in. We had no chairs. We had a building, but we had no chairs. We had folding metal chairs. I mean, how long could you sit in folding metal chairs? Rusty folding metal chairs. We had no chairs. And I just got up one Sunday and I said, I believe God's going to provide the money for the chairs. We knew how much it was going to be. And I said, I believe he's going to do it in six weeks. And I, I know I've told you this, but we got in, the, in the, our car and my wife looked at me. She was white around the gills and she said, Rod, you've never, ever done anything like this. Ever. What are you thinking? I said, I'm thinking I believe God's going to do it. And she said, well, I, I, I agree he can, but mm, six weeks. And you know what? A member called up the office and said, I want to donate. And it was almost, I think it was the whole thing. I want to donate the whole amount. And the chairs were provided in less than six weeks. Those chairs, you're in. This building is a reminder. These chairs, see, we didn't have, we were out of money. We had spent it all on the building and the parking lot and the gym and the remodeling. We spent it all. It was gone. We had it figured to the penny and we didn't have, oh, but we don't have any chairs. But you're sitting, those are stones 
to remind us that God provided in a suit. Now, I'm not in the habit of putting a time limit, obviously, because we waited 12 years for the building. But I just felt very impressed that God wanted to, we, we finished the building, we're ready to start meeting, and we needed chairs. It wasn't a want, it was a need. We didn't get the fanciest. These are stones. These reminders. But a lot of you, a lot of you were not even here then. A lot of you are hearing this for the first time. But you need to be reminded, we, those of us that have lived it, we've watched God provide over and over and over and over and over again. Are you making notes? Are you going to be able to tell future generations when I'm off the scene and I can't retell that story? Can y'all repeat it? Can y'all tell future generations? You're sitting in some stones. Let me tell you the story. That building, that facility, it wasn't even here. This, all this was donated. Wood. Donated. Walnut. Stones. Stones. <clears throat> and I've told you so many times of the, in, when I was in Vietnam, the protection that God gave at night that uh, the ship had a fire. We were offloading bombs and ammunition into Nang Harbor, and the, the ship was anchored. It was a civilian ship. They sent me back for the radio, and I went back. And in the sawdust, somebody had left a light, and the light in the sawdust caught on fire, and all these bombs and all this ammunition was back there, and flames shooting up. And I go back for the radio, and I start yelling, fire, fire, they come, they extinguish the fire, put it out. Do you Just think about it, if that ship had blown up, I don't know that it would have been enough for a shark, shark to enjoy. Do I remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember it. When I was a Houston police officer and I was driving 120 miles an hour to uh, Shipley's Donuts at night. Now, some of you got that and some of you didn't. I'm really concerned about the ones that didn't. I'm very concerned that y'all are struggling with something. Are y'all tired from family camp or something? I don't know. But I mean, you should have been able to get that one right away. But so many times I was protected. The night that we searched a prisoner, my partner had searched him. Blanton Daniels searched him. Getting ready to put him in the back of the car. And... Um, and I said, I think I'm just going to search him again. And I searched him again, and I found a little small handgun tucked away that Blanton had missed. And when they had a fellowship here one year, and some of the men contacted my former partner. I'd had a partner for three and a half years. He wrote in that letter for our anniversary. He said, I really believe that God used Rod Hovey to save my life that night. That's a memorial. That's a reminder that's something that, that we ought to be celebrating that God has done 
in your life and mine over and over. He's brought his protection. Hey, Carolyn, I think about, and I didn't check with her, but I know I don't believe she would mind me telling, but the night Rod was on uh, life support in the hospital with West Nile and you were driving home and you got pulled over by a DPS officer and on I-10 and he pulled her over and this is the gist of it. She could tell it better than I can, but this is what I remember about the, the account. She's driving home, didn't know if Rod was going to live or die. Gets pulled over by this DPS officer. And he said, uh, you have a little light on your license plate that was out. And so I pulled you over. But I prayed before every shift that I would have at least one person I could pray with while I'm out here on duty. Is there a special need in your life that I could pray for? And she said, yes, my husband's on life support. And we don't know if he's going to live or die. And he reached out and grabbed her hand and prayed on the side of I-10 and prayed. Did anybody take note of that? Does anybody remember those times? You see, this is what, this is what the stones, this is what we should be remembering, looking back, not on all the garbage and the mess, we ought to be remembering the miracles of God that God has put in our life and we didn't overcome them. He overcame them through us. You know, James talks about faith without works is dead. I mean, listen, folks, we can hear this all day long. Isn't it time for us to start putting it into practice? Isn't it time to put it into practice that we could learn, as Elizabeth Elliot and others have said, to trust and obey. To trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I never realized how significant it was when I signed those papers, those release papers at HPD. I didn't realize the significance, but I do now. You see, that was, even though it wasn't the highest paying job out there, it was a secure job. And it was a regular paycheck. And it was an insurance plan. And it was retirement. And we severed that to step out in faith and to pastor our first little country church at $100 a week. Those are stones. Those are memorials. Major step of faith. How about as you're traveling down this road and you're facing your challenges and your situations and your struggles and your finances and your health even, even a place to worship. Now, let me just, I want to be very clear. I completely understand North Belt Baptist Church is not the only conservative church 
in America. I know that. Please don't anybody misunderstand that. But one thing you can say that we've held true to for 36 plus years, to the best of our ability, we've had a conservative approach to music. Basically, people have been relatively modest in their dress when they're around other Christians here at the church. There's not, there hasn't been a dating atmosphere and, and children trying to pull other children that their parents encourage them to court for courtship and things like that. And you don't have a group trying to pull them over and say, oh, you ought to come with us. Come enjoy the, the life with us and, and do it the way we're doing it. Not the perfect church, but there have been some things that I think would be... If I had young children, I'd be looking for a church that would help me reinforce some things that I believe about raising my kids. And I don't want them exposed. I don't want them exposed. I mean, they're going to get exposed eventually in time. But why did we homeschool in the first place? Why have we tried our best, even though we're frail and we're not, not the most gifted, but but we were trying to guard their little hearts till a time when they get old enough to be able to be men and women, to be able to have godly character developed in their lives so they can say no to evil when evil is presented. And so it's through the homeschooling movement that people have chosen to do that, and we, we support the parents So perfect, no. But something to, to think about when you think about the risk of your children, the exposure that they may get. I don't know. I just, I've always felt like our kids were too valuable. You have one shot at it. You have one basic shot to get them through and you know, I just wanted to like I just wanted to do the best I could to guard their little minds, protect their little hearts, and then as they got old enough and mature enough, they could go and, and deal with the world. Wrong doctrine, wrong teachings and things that are just out there that you have to deal with. Now the single young adults. You're having to trust the Lord for your future. And we've seen so many, so many of you waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and you still seem like you're waiting. But I don't want you to lose heart. Please, would you today commit afresh to trusting the Lord with your whole heart? You're not holding back anything. You're not holding on to little bits and pieces and say, this is mine but you're letting it all be trust. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. We've seen it so many times. And you say, well, it hadn't happened to me. We've seen it so many times where someone was faithful and waiting. And they bring, God just brings the right person. You know, my wife has told so many young ladies throughout the years here. It's not multiple choice. 
God only needs one to come across your path. The right one. Just one. The right one. Somebody completely off the radar. Somebody that's not even been discovered by you or any of your well-meaning family members. And God orchestrates a meeting. And it happens. It's an awesome God that we serve. He's an awesome God and He's good all the time. I just wonder as we think about where we are in life, where we are as a family, where we are as individuals, where we are as a church. I'm wondering if we could all together say, yes, Lord, we've heard your voice and your word tells us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Would you join me today? Would you join me today, church? Would you join me today in trusting God for the impossible and for Him to give us that mountain? It's going to be by His might, by His strength, by His provision. I'd like for y'all to come sing if you would. I'm going to have prayer, but y'all come sing. Then we'll have our invitation and we'll have closing prayer and we'll be done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that we should be encouraged to examine our hearts to see if there's anything that we're holding on to, little bits and pieces that we're holding on to, that we're struggling with, whether it be our job, our finances, our future, the future of America. And I just pray that you would help us, Father, to confirm in our hearts that yes, Lord, we trust you 100%, no reservations, no holding back, no little bits and pieces. We trust you with our whole heart. And for every miracle you perform, we will point to you, rejoice with you, and rejoice in you, and recognize it was none of me, but it was all of you. And so I pray now that you would accomplish your will to bring glory and honor to yourself, save the soul that's nearest hell this day. And I pray that there would be a great, great resurgence of trust in Almighty God as we face the days ahead. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.